Hello and welcome to the Women in Safety podcast, a place of conversations to empower and inspire you to transform your career. I'm your host, Alana Ball, and we're here today to cut through some of the BS of health and safety. I want to be real, authentic, and most of all, think critically about what we learn, what we hear, and how we experience things in our journey. I want you to take this time for yourself. Reconnect with your passion, reconnect with your career, and join us as we grow together. So settle in and see where this episode transforms you. Hello and welcome. We're back with another Topic Tuesday with the wonderful Chandra Clements. Super excited to chat this one because it is all about risk and it's a report that I love. But firstly, how are you today, Chandra? Oh, excellent, Alana. It's good to be uh, uh, back looking at a another piece of uh, piece of interesting literature um, around risks and how that might uh, help our listeners um, in what they do. Yeah, so I was talking to when we obviously come up with different ideas on what we're going to have a chat about, and I think from we number of times we go back and forth on what we're going to look at. But the one that we've picked for this week is the World Economics Forum Global Risk Report for 2023. And the reason I, I said to Chandra was this one was really interesting is I'm all for, and I know Chandra's all for, looking at you know, stop, how do we stop looking at just the data internally? And how do we kind of bring that lens up as health safety risk practitioners to kind of more that global lens? What are the data's out there? So any high level kind of thoughts from you before we get into nuts and bolts? Oh, look, one significant one. I remember um, sitting up in bed one night and uh, um, going back a few years ago, and uh, I don't often want watched 60 Minutes, but I did on this occasion and uh, the kids were asleep and I um, watched this expose around a virus that um, was potentially life-threatening and was coming from monkeys and uh, it was going mm-hmm. to cause economic collapse and people were going to die. And, and I remember watching it in bed and thinking, you know, that's really interesting. It was based in China and, and I sort of, you know, turned off a little bit and, and didn't really pay it that much of attention because it wasn't about Australia. And, of course, they were talking about it could hit Australia, but it really wasn't on our shores. And, of course, you've probably recognised that they were preempting the COVID virus. And a week later, life changed like it would never change again. And it really makes me aware, as you said, of how important it is to look at what's happening globally and not pretend that we're not connected to a wider being um, because when we think we're quite insular from what's happening on a global level, um, COVID-19 and the 60 Minutes report come to remind us that um, that just because it's in China or just because it's offshore doesn't mean that it's not coming our way. I completely agree, actually, to the point that I have goosebumps because I just think about how much that world has changed and become smaller and smaller, you know, whether it's our supply chains, whether it's our staff movements, you know, we are no longer just an, an Australian or New Zealand or Southeast Asia kind of um, entity. We are pulling on, no matter how much we like it, you know, I've, there was not a part of this world that was not affected by it. And this report actually in the in the kind of forward talks about uh, last year's risk report. You know, they certainly saw the um, pandemic kind of uh, you know, and not ending, but the, the impacts that that was having. Uh, but obviously the impacts then of 
a new war in Europe and just those impacts and how quickly, you know, look at the impacts that we've had here in Australia from that war, yet it's the other side of the world where we should be completely untouched from it and probably once upon a time we would have been. So that's what we want to chat about, I guess, is is how we bring that lens up and how we look a little bit more uh, forward using data that's around. And, and as I've said to you before, I just love this World Economic uh, risk report. Uh, and I know on their website, they get a little bit techy with all the interconnectedness. And it's it's quite the fun spiral to go down if you um, stay up at night like me. <laughs> and I think, look, it's, um, it is it is techy, but there's also some, some common sense principles I think we can touch on today mm. to all of the listeners. And, uh, you know, if I look at page 23 of that report where your wonderful spiral exists, um, if we just take COVID, for example, and, and thinking that that occurred some time ago, and yet we look at those nodes on, on page 23 and, and you look at the result of, of a virus and you would say, okay, people, you know, got sick and there was going to be changes to medical policy and there was going to be border issues um, and it was going to cost a lot of money. Y- yes, we, you know, you can preempt some of that. But if you now look in, at that spiral and you think it mentions interstate conflict, well, we saw lots of that. It talks mm. about collapse and we had lots of discussion around Melbourne being shut down for so long. It talks around... Um, um, large-scale migration. I mean, I live on the Gold Coast and uh, we are being inundated with people trying to mm. purchase rentals here, now to the point that no one, you know, we've got record homelessness. Mm. Um, that was never something I considered when we moved here. Um, if you look at things around um, severe mental health de- deterioration, we know COVID-19 has had a huge impact on you know people feeling disconnected and a, and a values clash between how people think vaccines should be handled or how should you know lockdowns be handled or how mm. employment policy be handled around health related issues so you know one thing being a virus that we thought would have a medical impact has had such a huge impact on the employment front and on the geopolitical front and on the social front that it now leaves us with, you know, very, very different WHS issues in 2023. And I think that's where it talks about those risk interconnections. And I think that's something that, uh, for me, not something that I would ever say that, you know, in my safety career that I've done in practice to go, okay, COVID-19 hits, what are those risk interconnections in the business? Okay, so then we think about staffing, then we think about you know, what are those employment policies, the how we work, the flexibility, you know. I think that interconnectedness between the different risks and, and how this report kind of pulls those out, I actually think it would be really good. And as I said, haven't done it in practice, but would be a good practice to kind of really start eyeballing what are those organisational risks, not just from COVID, but let's take the, you know, it's got on there the cost of living crisis. So what impacts does that have on our people? What are the interconnectedness of those? And how do we actually start documenting those broader risks? And as an organisation, no, it's not going to be your responsibility to control all of it. We, we surely can't. But I think the awareness of what those interconnected risks are and possibly what are facing our people, right? Yes. It, you know, it's a complexity or a level of complexity that we we definitely now need to consider. And, and it makes me very aware of, of how easy hindsight is, because if I look at that mm. report, oh, it's pretty obvious that, that 
you know, COVID was going to lead to changes in monetary policy and we were going to flood with, you know, all of these benefits to keep the economy afloat and then that would lead to inflation, which would lead to, you know, some of the issues that we're now facing. I'm I'm brilliant in the fact that I can look at that in hindsight <laughs> now, but I didn't see them two years ago. Use that principle of hindsight to then look forward and say, well, what does this report mean for the next couple of years? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where a little bit of... Uh, and certainly we've had uh, some business continuity kind of people speak for us in the past, but that risk preparedness, that business continuity, how are we making sure that our business, and if we put it in the, the uh, safety context, particularly with the uh, psychological uh, safety kind of codes of practice around Australia and overseas, how are we making sure that from a business continuity perspective, we're not losing staff to these risks that are maybe impacting them outside of work? How are we, you know, preparing for if we were shut down for an extended period of time? And again, it's almost reflecting on this report and historical data in your business. Uh, and again, it comes back to, I think we've spoken in another episode about, um, you know, the lessons learned from COVID. Did we truly go over them? But um, yeah, I think that that uh, lens of business continuity has to come into it when you think about reports like this. Yeah, look, and I think there is this, um, for me, when I read this report, one of the thing that's, things that really hits a nerve for, you know, the, the women in safety listeners and, and just listeners in general is um, is the, the notion around the decline in human development and erosion in social cohesion. Those mm. two Live with me, um, and I read and read the article again. And this notion of of a lack of social cohesiveness um, is something that's going to have a huge employment and, and uh, um, business impact. And for you know your HR professionals, for safety professionals, for risk professionals, dealing with the fact that our employees have now got so much more on their mind, and there isn't potentially that one mindset that's going to pull us all in the one direction. Mm. Um, an environment that has so much political unrest and so much disconnect in terms of values and people with such strong opinions that there's so many issues at play at the moment and it and it and it does talk there about that um it talks about that erosion of social cohesion and the societal polarization and and those topics that you just listed are bloody polarizing at times and i think it really calls on us to sort of say well you know, if we were an organisation five years ago that we thought was fairly cohesive and pulling in a, in the same direction, are we still there? And what what is that, you know, values disconnect and how does that play out in, work, in our workplace, especially in relation to mental health risks, feeling part of a team, wanting to come to work, um, feeling like you are heard and have a say in terms of some of those soft skill issues that, that are coming into play? But then we also have the economic issues that that we've we're now seeing at a level that I don't think we've seen in the last you know 20 25 years, and that is around things like record homelessness, record mm. domestic violence, women you know really struggling to you know to do the whole um, escape from unsafe environments and still rock up up to work when they can't get a rental. Yeah. Um, we're losing all of this talent. In, in the workplace because, you know, we, we, just, we just don't know what our people are facing at home in a lot of occasions. 
and someone's resignation and, and, you know, this job's not for me might be a guise for some of these very, very highly complex issues that are playing out behind the scenes. Yeah, it's interesting because the article literally talks about that the widening gap in values and equality is posing an existential challenge to both autocratic democratic systems as economic and social divides are translated into political ones. And I think that's, you know, and they literally call out, you know, the things that you were calling out there around, you know, the the very much polarising issues around immigration, gender, reproductive rights, ethnicity, religion, climate, and even um, succession. So I think we're in for an interesting little while, but I think it's interesting how we translate that into our risk registers and start thinking forward on what can we control in the business? How are we making sure that support's available, knowing that these risks are things that our people are, you know, if it's considered a global report, then if we're not just Australian-based, that how's it affecting someone overseas versus someone here locally in Australia? Uh, And I think really putting that focus on what is in our circle of control and as an organisation how do we want to be forward thinking? How do we want to make sure that we've got policies, processes to support this, given that we do have that widening gap in in values? And as you said, five years ago, the, the cohesion that we had may not be there anymore. Yeah, look, I think the, the there's a comment there around, um, you know, the, the societal polarisation being defined as the loss of social capital and the fracturing of communities. Um mm word fracturing, um, I think is really important for us to consider where when we start to think of, you know, the metaphor of a fracture, it can be a fine line um, Mm. that I widen into something that can be quite catastrophic. Um, It can break a structure (laughs) apart. But in its first instance, it's a fracture, a a minor split. Um, Where do we have that splintering occurring um, in our OHS um, policies or even you know, the economic policy and how we employ people um, and, and how that relates to fairness. Um, you know, it, it just uh, it, it really does open up a lot of questions around how do we all come together to solve some rather complex problems when each of us brings our own attitudes and beliefs and has gone through in recent years this really changing, uncertain environment Stay away from, you know, community gatherings and and think about yourself first. Um, and now we're, you know, trying to then recover from that and think about, well, how do we take that period and say, well, that period's gone. Now we want you to be a really, really great team player mm-hmm. and solving you know, domestic violence um, and its impacts in the workplace or um, a lack of uh, responsiveness to policy change or, you know, some of the um, some of the reporting requirements that are now upon us. Um, it, it's, it's a really complex issue that I think this report does give you some really helpful tips on where you might start. Yeah, I love that. I love uh, the couple of points there around the definition with the fracture. Well played, Chandra. I love that. Uh, And, you know, I think there's not a person listening, hopefully, that has not heard someone else say, and I'm guilty of it, I loved COVID days. It was so much simpler. I didn't, you know, there was not this societal pressure to go and to have, you know, big barbecues and, oh, we're going to catch up and we're going to catch up. Now, I'm a very 
social person, but I did love some of the quietness that came from COVID. So there's two things that have come to mind in that though, um, and and we can chat about them separately. One, I think we will see an increase in kind of that diversity and inclusion, diversity, equity kind of partners in business as we try and show that a diverse workforce brings thought and, you know, we know what diverse organisations can bring, but how are we going to make sure that that diversity doesn't bring those fractures that we're all entitled to that, that diverse thinking, but, you know, almost cattle prod that when you're in the workplace, you know, these are the company values and this is how we treat one another. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch that space evolve, uh, particularly, as you said, with those different bits of fractures and those polarising kind of thoughts coming in. And then the second part is whether technology is enabling or not that societal gap. And that's where I think, you know, COVID is, is a big one. And I can only speak from my own experience where, you know, I work from home 100% of the time. Social things from a work perspective are very taxing, whereas in the past they weren't. I've been used to sitting in a quiet environment that I think, you know, technology is perhaps creating pace behind this, um, that social cohesion, that it's getting, it's going to get harder and harder to bring people back together when technology has allowed us to not necessarily have that social cohesion. It's a transactional kind of conversation, I find. Yeah, I wonder if there's an answer in in the difference between unity and tolerance. Um, so mm. unified, um, but I do have to be tolerant. Um, and I can have individualistic views and I you know, can be affected by this disruptive period and I can start being, you know, myself and, and authentic in my speech because this period has definitely enhanced. Mm. Um, but I also at the same time need to be very respectful that tolerance requirements in the workplace have gone up. <laughs> Um, and I think the whole vaccine debate showed us what happens if you don't have that. Um, regardless of what I think, regardless of what you think, the capacity to work together to a common outcome where everyone can work in a healthy and safe environment um, is more important than whether or not I have exactly the same, you know, views on vaccines as you. Um, so I think there is this need for us to really focus on a, a reduction in black and white thinking and, and the adaptation or the acceptance of, of a high level of tolerance um, at all levels in the organisation because we are being, um, and the report actually uses this word in its opening forward, we are being forced to consider a poly crisis. Let's talk about mental health or let's talk about, you know, falling from heights. We are looking at a global risk report that has 21 different elements in it that are all interconnecting and different nodes that rely and feed on each other and, and perpetuate and stimulate different problems. So mm. um, broad thinking, um, inquisitiveness, um, the capacity to sit back before we type that email, all of those skills are going to be so important for us in this polycrisis period. And I wouldn't say that any organisation in Australia is immune from the notion of this polycrisis. If we look, you know, your second point around um, IT, 
I'll throw another spanner in there and, and sort of say, well, I think we're now in a period after the whole, you know, Medibank Optus situation where cybersecurity and what's happening with our IT data has become a very important employment um, discussion. And, uh, you know, I might have been hypersensitive about who was listening to my phone calls and reading my emails before. But now, since all of this personal data has been hacked and, you know, there's all this stuff going on in the world, it hit very close to home. And so now, you know, is my personal data at work safe? Um, we look at the risks of, of cyber hackers and can they get into our employment records? Um, have we reviewed that in terms of 2023 best practice? Um, and if we have, how are we dealing not only with the practical application but also the emotional insecurity of, of employees thinking, you know, if I give you my Medibank details and my bank account, are you eventually going to get hacked and give it to the world? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the other element is the, um, yeah, my personal data of where I live. And we were talking in a Women in Safety member mingle about, you know, the protection of, no, it wasn't a member mingle, it was a workshop. And we were talking about the... Um, you know, the privacy of, say, a nurse or a police officer that has the name on the badge, you know, linking that to that self-security of, well, if, say, the hospital's data got leaked and now this patient that came in into the hospital was super aggressive, I didn't treat them right, in their views, are they going to come and find me at home? So I, I completely agree and, I, yeah, I, I just think we're, we need to be looking at this kind of data to give us a a better picture on what is impacting our organisations and what is impacting our staff. And as you said, that I love that. Uh, and I will always say any safety professional, how are you showing up from a curious perspective? Uh, because I think if we go with this black and white, how things should be done, we're not going to get the right answer anymore. And we have to come with this curious mindset because we've got individuals turning up to work and we've got individuals managing risk really and we want to make sure that we get the best outcome and the only way we're going to do that is being open to different conversations yeah look i i, uh, I agree and i think we um we we need to be very aware of the fact that towing the company line and, and and potentially not speaking up about issues um may have been how things were done some time ago but with this, you know, change in values and with this growing tension in the geopolitical environment, in, in the world environment, I think we're also seeing a heightened sensitivity to if an organisation does the wrong thing, and I'm talking about with their people, mm. I'm talking environmentally with climate change, with water policy, with leaving lights on, with, you mm. know, from a fraud perspective, um, you can pretty much guarantee that that's going to raise the eyebrows of someone and someone's going to say something about that pretty quick. So I think that really, you know, causes us to be um, more aware of the fact that um, tolerance levels for error, tolerance levels for co corporate social responsibility have gone down. There is more pressure on leaders, and we've talked in a previous mm. podcast that many leaders are cracking under that pressure, and you and I empathise with that. But it doesn't change the fact that that pressure is escalating there is more to do from a senior level. There is more to address. And this poly crisis is tough. Mm, and it talks in the report uh, around the global landscape being dominated by manifesting risks. And I think it is it, it is just that it's going to continue to manifest. It's going to continue to move. And I think 
you know, for me, the lessons learned from this are really reflecting on, you know, how are we just staying abreast of it? How do we make sure that we're getting it on paper? And look, we may not be doing anything, as I said, but just the awareness piece, I think, will make us long-term better professionals that let's stay abreast of what's happening globally to support our leaders, to support our people. Yeah, uh, look, you know, the, the comments that are made in there about the cost of living crisis, and we're all about that at the moment, changes the nature of, of employment discussions in a big, big way. When we now sit down with our people during performance management and, and bonus payment, skip payment discussions, um, those bonuses, those payments, those increases are vastly more significant and important now than they might have been five years ago. Um, so now when people are saying, I really need this increase, um, it's a different conversation because if the organisation can't afford it, there's, there's mental health issues, there, there's concerns around mm. homelessness, concerns around, you know, caring for families. Um, there's so many people out there that are caring for, for elderly people. Um, so, you know, when we have these conversations now and we consider the risks of performance managing our people, there's another layer of, of issues that are coming in um, around the cost of living. So, you know, it really is a time for us to sit back and say, let's pick five things from this report. And I think if we go to that, you know, your wonderful spiral and have a look at all those different nodes, if we just looked at that as an executive team or as a professional team and picked five of those and overlay that on our business and say, say, you know, what are we doing around cybersecurity? What is the impact of cost of living? Um, widening gap in values and equality affect us from a safety perspective? Um, what are we doing in terms of climate change and, and environmental risk? Because tolerance for, for inaction is not there anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I'm not sure what the, the fifth one might be, but um, the homelessness, I don't know. Um, Pick another one, and, and if we well, can look, get... it says it says you know from a global risk rank by severity, short and long term. So in two years, they're saying from a kind of top risk, the top five of the number one is the cost of living crisis. Two is your natural disasters and extreme weather. Now in Australia, we're absolutely prone to that. So how are we putting that lens on it? Uh, the geoeconomic confrontation, failure to mitigate climate change, and erosion. No, the, Fifth one being the erosion of social cohesion and societal polarisation um, coming in at eighth is your cyber security. Uh, and I think, you know, we add that, um, you know, resourcing. We all know that internally recruiting uh, at the moment, where are the people going? Where are they moving to? What values are they seeking? I, I think definitely it's the, it's an opportunity to cast that lens have a look at the report uh, and, yeah, I'd love to hear people commenting when when this comes out so that we can hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, look, it, it just in relation to number two, I think I've worked with a number of um, of mines that during the, the drought crisis were facing this extraordinary situation of running out of water mm. and then we turn around and, and a year later those same mines are being flooded. Yeah, um, yeah. We've seen that sort of environmental craziness um, before. Um, it, it's extreme weather conditions at the moment. And so, again, you know, when we start to pick five that we can really sort of dive into and say, well, what does this predict for our business and does our risk register, mm. our, you know, policy in general um, align and how can we address the, the social cohesiveness required to, to really move on some of these things? Um, you know, there's some work to be done for, for all of us and I think oh. is tolerance. Yeah, I 
very much agree and I think we only have to look at you know globally you look at I don't like influencers but you look at influencers on social media you know um what are they called movie stars singer songwriters uh and that tolerance to them around this you know you're absolutely shocking I can't stand you and it's like well hang on a minute just because you have the opinion doesn't mean you need to share it and let's be tolerant of one another as people so another spectacular conversation Chandra and I think we could talk about it all day because it is quite a lengthy report uh, but it was one I wanted to cover because I just think it's such an interesting lens that we put to organisations and of course as always I'll share it in the show notes and put a couple of links in there because the website as I said gets a little bit techy but the report in itself is a really good one even if you're having conversations with your executive to kind of bring this make sure it's on their radar Uh, because the more we know, the more we can start to manage. So thank you, as always, for a wonderful chat. Great choice of of article, Alana. I loved it. Thank you for... I know. I wonder what we'll chat next time. If anyone ever has some articles they want Chandra and I to um, uh, pull apart and... Yeah, and, and put our view on the world. As we said, we're, we're not wrong, we're not right, we're just having a chat. So we're always open to uh, suggestions. So please send us suggestions if you ever have them um, or want to bring them to our attention. So we'd, we'd more than happily do that. But Chandra, thanks, and we will chat to you all soon with another Topic Tuesday. Wonderful work, Alana. Bye. Wow, what an episode. If you loved today's episode just as much as I did, we'd love to hear your feedback or even better, share it with your friends, your colleagues and other safety sisters or safety misters so they too feel empowered and inspired. We will catch you for another conversation next time and we hope in the meantime you start implementing some things to transform your career.